0: Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Listen, uh, can we give it up for our worship team one time? Are they like not, man, these guys are incredible. And so uh, we're going to jump straight into is at TC Part 2. And so uh, if you're going to be jumping with your Bibles, take that out. If you can be jumping with your phones, you can take that out. If you're whatever you're taking notes with and however you're doing that, man, let's jump straight in. Because today I want to talk to you about Jesus, who is our present help. Say present help. Turn to your neighbor and say present help. Now say it like you believe it now. Don't be over there. just Say present help. All right, we're going to, I'm going to preach a little bit today. Is that all right? I, was like, can we, I said, can we do that a little bit today? Is that a, okay? I just want to make sure. Uh, tuck your toes in a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. We're going gonna to have some fun. I remember I was uh, when we were growing up, I, I got to go whitewater rafting a couple times. Uh, and that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But I'll never forget going uh, with my friend Chris. And my friend Chris is that dude that you don't bring around other people that you want to be respected. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody we got a friend that you don't bring around other friends. You're like, no, 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 no. We're, just not, we're not doing that today okay like you leave Chris at home all the time who got a Chris in their life everyone has a Chris in their life right like you can't read his text messages around people Okay, all right, so we're all on the same page. So my friend Chris, uh, straight up knucklehead, but he, uh, we went whitewater at Raft one time. And before we got to uh, the Raft, before we got on the water, the, the guide was giving us kind of the skinny on like, what we need to be aware of, how things work. And so uh, he said he was giving us instructions about what we do if we fall out of the Raft. Now, up until this point, this had not crossed my mind. So just so we're clear. I'm going in a raft. I don't know if I thought they had seat belts. I don't know what I thought. But I, the, the thought of falling out of this raft did not cross my mind. So he's given us kind of like, if you do fall out of the raft, this is how you don't die. And I was like, this is so comforting. Thank you so much for this conversation. And so we were, we were uh, doing He said, don't fight the current. He said, "You'll exhaust yourself if you try to fight against the current to get to where we are." He said, "What you need to do uh, is, uh, if it, if time comes where you fall out of the raft, I want you to uh, just rest, and the the water will take you to a place where you can get back in the raft." And I thought, oh, "Wow, I don't know about all that." And then he said, "He said, if a time comes where you go under the water and the current of the water is holding you under, don't panic." I said, sure, Superman. Okay, so, uh, so he said, don't panic. He said, curl up into a ball. He said, curl up into a tiny ball. I said, sir, you obviously are blind. All right, so uh, <laughs> said, I said, I'll curl up into some sort of ball. Uh, and then he said, eventually the water will spit you back out. And, uh, and then he said, like I said, if you find yourself fighting the current, let it carry you. And so what I want to I talk to some of you today because uh, some of you have been in a tug of war with Jesus lately over your own life. Some of you have felt stalemated in your relationship with Jesus lately. and felt like it's going nowhere. Some of you have never surrendered to Jesus and some of you don't even understand why surrendering to Jesus is even important. And some of you have only seen Jesus up until this point as your get out of hell free card. But I'm here to tell you today that I believe that the word tells us that Jesus wants to be far more than that. And if you're in this room or you're watching us online, I'm here to tell you today that when we can and when we do make Jesus more than just our Savior, but we look to him as king, he reigns in our life in such a way that he moves on our behalf in ways we could not comprehend, we could not do for ourselves. And I'm here to tell you today that when we make him king, he becomes more than we could think or imagine in our own lives. Today, Jesus wants to be king. Turn to your neighbor and say, the king. He wants to be the king. So did Jesus come just to forgive us of our sins? Or did he come for more? Today, I want to answer that question. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, behold, because we're talking about Christmas, talking about Jesus coming, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, what does it look like for God to be with us? Well, we go to Psalms uh, 46.1. It says this, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help when we're in trouble. So what does it look like to have God on our side? It means that no matter how bad the waters get around you, you don't drown in the waters around you. He's our strength. He's our hope. He is the refuge when we're in trouble. He is everything that we need. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has got you in ways that you could never understand. Second Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is the king today. And why does this matter? Because to this day we do not fully understand what Jesus came to do in our lives. Baby Jesus, born to a virgin, nowhere to go, placed in a manger, no servants to console him, no maids or butlers. Because Jesus, born of riches but not born to riches, came so that those of us that were not born to riches might inherit his riches. Jesus came to be king. And today I want to talk to you about what that king has come for. Can we do that today? Say the king. Turn to your neighbor and say the king. Just give them a compliment today. Look look at the person next to you, tell them they look good. Just go on and do that real quick. Say, you look thinner than you did yesterday. In Jesus' name, look at that. Joy. Let it, release it right now. (laughs) So let's get into it today. I want to talk to you about three things that the king has come to do. All right, say the king one more time. The king, firstly, comes to reign. The king comes to reign. In our lives, the king has come to reign to reign in our lives, to rule in our lives. And if you were with us last week, if you didn't get a chance to check out last week, I encourage you to go online and do that. Uh, And so uh, you can check out the message from last week. We talked about how the the Old Testament church, so the church of old, was looking for Jesus to be a certain thing. And when he came on the scene, he did not meet their expectations. And so they kind of did not follow him. They didn't give him what he was due because he didn't fit the mold that they were looking for him to fit in. Little did they know that he wasn't trying to be the king they were looking for. He was becoming the king king that they needed. And in our lives, sometimes we're looking for Jesus to be a lot of things, but we're not realizing all that we need him to be. And so Jesus comes in our life to reign. And in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it gives us a layout of what it looks like for Jesus to reign in our life. He says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the Jesus we're talking about today. And in Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for who? For us who believe. Listen, some of you have been just trying to ride Jesus' curttails into heaven, not realizing he wants to help you reign on earth a little bit. Some of you have surrendered everything that God wants to do in your life and said, you know what, everything on earth is just going to be what it is, and just one day in heaven he'll get me out of all this. Can I tell you something? What if you could have peace, joy, you could have a declaration of hope, you could have all the things that God has come to bring you, not just in eternity, but right here on earth. What if everything that God has presented to you, what if, what if when we let him reign in our lives, he doesn't just give us a promise for eternity that as long as we check the religious boxes and as long as we do things right and as long as we do more good things than bad things and we love the right people and not the wrong people, then we'll get to heaven and that's when things get better. What if Jesus came to reign in your life today? Oh, come on, dream team. I said, what if he came to reign in your life today? What if he came to do more in your life? Not just a hope for eternity, although I can't wait to get there. But what if he came to do something in your life today? So not just believe that he exists, but for us that believe in him to let him reign in our lives as king. And so I have a question for you. What is it that your life revolves around? What is it that your life revolves around? Does it revolve around your marriage? Does it revolve around your kids? Does it revolve around money? Does it revolve around your degree? Does it revolve around your career? What is it that you're letting your life revolve around? What is it that you're allowing your life to be centered on? Is it centered on your addiction? Oh. Is your life revolving around your ambition and your goals? Or is your life revolving around something bigger? Because hear me, lean into this for a second. I want you to understand: if your life is revolving around any of those things, it's only a matter of those things, bef- only a matter of time before those things come crumbling down. Because hear me, God dismantles the kingship in our life that is not holding the throne for the King in our lives. And so, what is it that your life is revolving around? This is the reason why: whatever you center your life on, is your King. Whatever you center your life around is your king. You worship whatever you build your life around. Are you building around your relationships? Are you building around the approval of your friends and you'll do whatever you got to do to get there? Are you revolving around your Instagram? Is your life built around the income that you have in the job, and the career? Because I'm here to tell you, what if all of those things disappear? If you haven't built it on a king then it's only a matter of time before the king will dismantle the things that you've given where he should be. So Jesus comes into our life. And so I want to invite uh, someone on stage. Brett, why don't you come up here, man? You, you got, he looks like you can hop on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. This is my dude right here, so I want I want to I want to show you something that uh, happens in our lives, right? And so this is what happens when we come to Jesus, and and um, you know, I'm gonna let Brett be Jesus. He looks like he don't, not really, but nonetheless, yeah. Come on, I'm gonna let you. He got beer game strong. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to let Brett be Jesus. So you hold this right here, all right? And so this is, this is how it looks when we come to Jesus. And so we, we come to Jesus, and Jesus is a stationary object. Hear me. For some of you, you thought that when you came to Jesus, Jesus was just going to follow you around like a puppy and do all the things you wanted him to do. And so you, you came to Jesus like, Jesus, I want you to do that. I want this job. I want this career. I want this amount of money. I want this wife. I want her to look like this, act like this, do this thing. And uh, some of you have been uh, rude awakening. But nonetheless, uh, uh, you, uh, you, you come to Jesus. And as long as Jesus is doing all the things you want him to do, you feel like y'all's relationship is good. You're looking to, re- to lead Jesus. And what I'm here to tell you today is Jesus is not looking to be led by you. Jesus is looking for you to revolve around him. You see, when Jesus is at the center of our lives, he stays in the middle and we move around him. And every, as long as we keep our focus on Jesus, Jesus don't move. And so as I'm, there you go, there you go, get it, there you go. And so he says, you can go get this job as long as the job revolves around me. You can have that relationship as long as that relationship revolves around me, as long as the degree revolves. Listen, Jesus is coming on the scene to say, as long as you keep revolving around me, you can do, listen, I'm giving you this space. I'm, I'm going to bless you, and you're coming and you're going. I'm going to give you authority to rule and to reign in these spaces. I'm going to let you move on my behalf. But hear me, as long as I stay at the center of your life, you'll remain blessed. But how many of you know, sometimes, somewhere along the way, we get it wrong, don't we? Because instead of revolving around Jesus, we start looking for Jesus to revolve around us. And this is where we start getting confused. Because uh, when we're following Jesus and we're revolving around Jesus, our relationships start improving. For for those of you that are married, your marriage starts getting better. You're both pursuing Jesus together. Things are getting better. Things are improving. That's what I'm talking about. We love each other more than ever before. Six date nights a week. We're killing this game. Why? Because both of you have a common goal, to revolve it around the king. But when we start looking for the king to revolve around us, guess what else we demand revolves around us? Our marriage, our kids our career, we start making life about me instead of life about the king. And so what happens is we set in and things are getting better, but then uh, what happens is we start to let the positions change. And so instead of uh, me revolving around Jesus, I start asking Jesus to revolve around me. The problem is don't move just yet. I know you, you were you trying to get, yeah, yeah, I feel you, I feel you. The problem is Jesus don't move. No, no, y'all missed what I said. I said Jesus doesn't move. Everyone watching us online, I want you to understand something today. Jesus does not move. Listen, you do not demand Jesus change according to your preferences. Jesus demands you change according to his. All right, so uh, I'm here to tell you he's the same. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at all times, knows all things, and is all powerful. There's nothing you're going to do, summon, pray that's going to cause Jesus to go, hadn't thought about that one just yet. No, no, no. He's already a step ahead of you and everything you're going to bring to the table, he's already there. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not moving just yet. And here's our temptation, right? Because we're trying to revolve around Jesus. But then we come to that place where we're saying, Jesus, we need you to move. I need you to do this. And Jesus is saying, I don't move. Because hear me today, the king doesn't bow to peasants. No, y'all didn't hear what I said. You see, we are the peasants of our lives under the rulership of a king looking for the king to bow to the way we want him to bow. I'm going to tell you, Jesus don't work that way, friends. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm going to stay where I'm at. So here's what we do. We think that as long as we're not doing the worst sins, we're still good in God's graces. Oh, okay. As long as I ain't killed nobody yet, we're, I'm, we're good. Even though traffic <laughs> starts pushing the limit. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so anyways... So what happens is as, as long as, listen, as, as long as I'm not cheating on my wife, I'm good. And, and, and we, then we start looking at other people that aren't, that are worse than us. And we're judging ourselves and our righteousness against those that are worse than us that we feel superior to. And so here's what we do. We say, you know what, uh, Jesus, I'm not going to revolve around you, but as long as I'm as long as long I'm being faithful to my wife, then I, I, I still got it together more than so-and-so. As long as, you know, I I, I, know, I know I'm not revolving. I know you're not the center of my world, but you know what? Um, as long as I'm not uh, completely giving in to my porn addiction, uh, then I'm good. As long as I'm not getting drunk every night, then I'm doing all right. As long as I'm not doing drugs um, and betting my house away or trying to, as long as I'm not doing those things, I'm good. What we forget is that sometimes the enemy's gain plan has never been to get you to fall to the furthest part of the bottom if it's to take, get you to take one step lower than what he says is worthy. Hear me for a second. For some of you, the game plan wasn't to get you to go all the way to the bottom pits of sin. It was to get you just to stop revolving around the king. And some of you are now going, but Jesus, I don't understand. Like, I, I feel like you're just not moving in my life. I'm going to give you a secret. He's not Because he was never supposed to. You were. Some of you feel like, Jesus, I just feel like our relationship is just stalemated. I feel like it's going nowhere. Jesus is like, it is. Because you're going nowhere. Hear me. When I'm moving, things are moving. But I just can't move any direction. I got to keep moving around the king. As long as I'm connected to the king, it doesn't matter where I go as long as he remains the center of my life. And guess what? When I get less focused on where I could go out here and I get more focused on where I can go here, then I can start getting closer to here. And our life has never been about getting all that you want and experiencing all that life has. It's been about surrendering all that you have to the one that gave it all. And his name is Jesus. Go ahead, buddy. I appreciate you, man. So, But I want you to understand something. A static life stands still. For some of you, your spiritual life feels uh, diseased, and it's because you've been living a diseased life that sits still. You think your relationship with Jesus has gone south. It hasn't gone south. It's gone nowhere. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not asking you to climb spiritual mountains. I'm just asking you to revolve around me. He said, and if you revolve around the king, the king will make sure you have everything that you need. Hear me today. I want some of you to lean into this. You've been trying to get Jesus to move in your world, and Jesus is just asking you to move your world around him. What would a completely surrendered life to Jesus look like? I'll tell you one thing it would look like. Blessed. Joy-filled. Peaceful. How many y'all just ready for a peaceful life? Like, how many y'all just ready for a joy filled life? How many are ready for whatever the world throws at you to not shake you anymore? Hear me. Jesus says, if you'll keep me at the center, then I'll make sure that everything else works itself out. And so he comes and he says, I want you to make sure that everything in your life is revolving around me. But here's what the enemy likes to do. And for those of you online, I want you to lean in this for a second because I might be talking to some of you right now. What the enemy loves to come in and do is be the man behind the curtain pulling things that we don't even think. We think that everything is just good, but he starts introducing the things into our life that are going to pull us away from the most valuable thing in our life. And he says, you know what, I'm going to, I know you've been praying for that new income, so I'm going to give you this job that's going to pull you away from everything that will keep Jesus at the center of your life, and I'm going to see if you would just start to walk away a little bit. Not go to the worst place, just go to a lower place. Not go all the way into bad sin, but just remove Jesus as the king of your life. What if, I, what if I introduce this? What if I introduce this? And the one behind the curtain is the one moving in our lives. And we think that everything that's happening is causing us uh, to, as long as I'm not going to the worst possible place, that I'm good. I'm here to tell you today, what if Jesus doesn't want you to just go any further than outside of circling him as king? He wants you to stay close to what he has. Why? Because when all things revolve around Jesus, the king, the king works in all things. I'm going to say that again because some of us, myself included, have a public system education. So, listen, I want to break that down. <coughs> That's not a jab. We got some teachers in here. Love y'all. Okay. <laughs> I graduated too. All right. So, anyway, so Woodham graduates, the few and the proud. Okay. So, uh, when all things revolve around Jesus, the King, the King works. In all things, listen. If your marriage revolves around Jesus, Jesus will work in your marriage. If your job revolves around Jesus, Jesus will work in your job. If you allow, if your kids and your relationships revolve around Jesus, Jesus will work in your kids and in your relationships. Hear me. When we keep Jesus at the center, He works through all the things that we're making revolve around Him. What if everything you are fighting for? could now be found peacefully because you stopped resisting and started surrendering. I love how uh, Tim Keller puts it. He says, you are underqualified for the job of master and commander of your own life. I said, Tim, mind your business. How about that? (laughs) But he's right. You are underqualified for the job of master and commander of your own life. And so we come to him, and the king is looking to reign and rule in our lives. Number two, the king comes to be praised. The king comes to be praised. Going back to 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I love what Alexander McLaren says. He says, declare the praises here does not merely mean the audible praises of God should be upon the lips of Christian people, but that their whole lives should, in a far deeper sense than that, showcase what the apostle here calls the excellencies of God. In other words, it shouldn't just be that you sing the song as in declaring the praises. It should be that your life and everything that you're doing in it is declaring the excellencies of who God is in your life. And, and as I started to pull this scripture apart, the word declare there means it comes from the word. You guys ready for this? Guess what word it comes from? Declare. Okay, it wasn't that special. Okay, but no, no I'm just kidding. Uh, it, the, word, the word declare there comes, and it comes from the word that means this to proclaim to those without about the thing that has happened within. Oh, some of y'all hadn't got, I I said to to proclaim to those without about the thing that has happened within. In other words, to, to go to those without hope and proclaim to them about the hope that they don't have, about the hope that is resting inside of you. To go to those without peace and tell them that the peace that they don't have is found about the one that is inside of you. To go to those without joy, without righteousness, without grace, without mercy, to declare to those without about the thing that has happened within. Jesus is looking for us to declare with our lives to the hope of all of those that don't have what we have about the thing that's happened on the inside of us. How many of y'all changed a little bit when Jesus showed up? All right. Fourteen, fifteen, six. I said, how many of y'all should be changed a little bit when Jesus showed up on the scene? Amen. I like He is here as King in our lives, and the word praises there literally means virtues, powers, and excellencies. So to tell those without about that which has happened within in regards to the excellencies of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Ephesians 1 5 through 6 says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the, what's that word? Praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one, Jesus, that he loves. Hear me today, I was sitting on my back porch uh, just the other day. And the sun was coming up over the trees. And as the sun was coming up over the trees, like the sky instantly went orange and pink and blue. It was beautiful. And just that moment, the the birds were chirping and they were like... I don't know if like they were fighting or what, but it was like tons of birds chirping. I was like, I don't know what's going on right now. But and just on the other side of uh, our street is like a brook and you could hear the water like flowing uh, in there. And it was so quiet because no one was awake yet except for me. Uh, and so uh, as I was listening to it, the birds are chirping. This beautiful sunrise is right in front of me. I can hear the the book, uh, the brook flowing. Uh, and then these two squirrels and they were wrestling uh, in the trees. And, and I was just listening to all the things happening around me and I was realizing that every bird, every squirrel, every, pe- every ounce of water that was flowing are all doing exactly what they were built to do by God to bring glory to God. Like the universe screams the majesty of God. Every star that you can see and the sun when it shines is declaring the excellencies of its creator. And Jesus the king has come to be praised. And the Bible even says that if we, don't, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out in our place. In other words, the earth is declaring all around us the kingship of Jesus Christ. And he's looking for our lives to declare it with him. That your life. Might be a declaration of the power of Jesus. Then number three, the king comes to take possession. The king comes to reign. The king comes to be praised. And the king comes to take possession. This king that was born in a manger, this king that was Born to a virgin, this king that we're celebrating tonight or today and and all throughout this week and going into next week, he comes to take possession. 1 Peter 2 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people. Again, the same scripture, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that say? Say those words with me God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not even a people. In other words, once you had no belonging, once you didn't have anyone that you belonged to, you were nothing, you were just moving around on this earth, but now you are the people of God. Now you belong. Now you're mine, the king says. Charles John Ellicott says this, the word royal does not seem intended to imply that every Christian is a king or of royal birth, but describes us as belonging to the king himself. He comes to take possession. Ephesians 1.5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I'll never forget when uh, uh, my brother and sister, Tommy and Cindy, uh, when they moved into our house, Uh, Tommy was one of my best friends. He lived behind me. And so uh, come to find out they they were going to need a place to go, a place to live. And so Tommy told me, and I was like, Dad, can Tommy and his sister move in? And we had a family meeting lasted like two minutes, and we were like, "Dope, let's do it!" So, I mean, Tommy got bunk beds, so many activities. Anyway, so like we were, so, so we we uh, we moved in together. It's supposed to be for thirty days. That was twenty-one years ago, literally. And they're our they're our family now, have been for twenty-one years, but I'll never forget we we sat down with an attorney, and we were talking to the attorney about adoption. I said, we, my parents were. And the attorney told my dad this, and I'll never forget it. He said, I want you to understand something, uh, Mr. Livingston. He said, uh, if, if you sign these papers, if you adopt them, he said, your kids, and he pointed at me and my sister, right? So I have a blood sister. Uh, she's crazier than I am. Uh, and then we have Tom in our family who's crazier than all of us combined, but that part's irrelevant. So uh, he looked at it. He pointed at me and my sister. He said, you need to understand something. He said, they can be written out of your will. He said, so, so if they do something crazy, if you decide you don't want them to get any inheritance, they can be written out of your will. And I think my dad's held that over my head ever since. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> he's like, don't forget now. <laughs> you don't have to get nothing. Anyway, so I said that like we're like Richie Rich's family or something. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, he said, they can be written out of your will. He said, but if you sign this paper, they can never be removed from this promise. And I want some of you to hear what I'm talking about today. Some of you are still fighting for your place, not realizing that Jesus is already taken possession. Hear me. You can never be removed from the promise. Jesus has got you. You can never be removed from the promise. I know life throws some curveballs, and you're trying to figure some things out. You can never be removed from the promise. Say it with me. I can never be removed from this promise. When your life belongs to Jesus, I can never be removed from this promise. Even though you might have lost your mind a couple times, you're not removed. Jesus has got you because he came to take possession of the people that are his. This should cause joy and hope to erupt in your heart. Jesus came. Not that you would have to fight for his blessing and fight for your belonging, but that he would take possession and make it to where you belong. Jesus is on the scene, and and this is never showcased more than in John Piper's quote. He says, there is not one square inch on planet Earth over which the risen Christ does not say, mine, and I rule it. I am supreme over it. That includes your life. God is reigning. And some of you are thinking to yourself, man, I've just blown it too many times. I've gone too far. I've done too much. There's no way Jesus wants my life. Or some of you may be in this room saying, I'm good on my own. I don't need any help. Let me take you to Luke chapter 15, and this is going to be where we wrap up today. There's a story about a son. Who came to his father and said, I want my inheritance now. And his father gave it to him. And he took his inheritance from his father. And he, he squandered, the Bible says, he wasted it on women and partying. and Took his friends all over. He, he just wasted all of his money. And he found himself feeding the pins, pigs in a pig pen. And as he was feeding the pigs, he came aware. And he said, you know what? It's better that I be a servant in my father's house than the master of this pig pen. And so he says, I'm going to go talk to my father. And that's where we pick up in Luke 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How many of you have ever felt that way before? I'm no longer worthy to be called your child. Talking about God. I'm no longer God worthy to be called your child. I, I, I don't belong here. I've done too much bad stuff, but look at what happens next. But the father said to his servants. Did you catch that part? The son is telling the father how he doesn't belong, and the father doesn't even acknowledge that part of the son. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees what Jesus paid for through your mistakes. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. And what that ring meant is that not only are you in the house, it means you're back in the family. That wasn't just a random ring. That was an insignia ring. That was a ring that meant that they could stamp their name on the. He wasn't just bringing him back into the fold, he was bringing him back into the family. Shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And this very scripture is where we get part of our code. It's one of of 11 statements uh, that keeps our compass for our church on track. And our statement is this. There is a ring ready. There's always a ring ready. Doesn't matter where you come from, there's a ring ready that says you belong in this house. Doesn't matter what you've gone through, how many stupid things you've done, because I promise you, if you look around this room right now, somebody's got you beat, all right? I'm just letting you know right now. So wherever you think you messed it up, just look around a little bit. Somebody, Don't try to figure out who, though, because it'll mess you up a little bit. Like, yeah, I see. I've been looking at that dude the whole day, okay? So I know he was wilding out. Okay, so now that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about there's a ring ready. Wherever you've come from, whatever you've gone through, right here at TC, we're ready to put a ring back on your hand and say you belong to the king. We will give our resources as a church cheerfully for the win. The win is seeing people know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference in people's lives. John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to who, to those who believed in his name, talking about Jesus' name, he gave the right to become what? children of God. The African theologian Athanasius says this, he became what we are so that he might make us what he is. He came to take possession. So if you're here and you belong to Jesus already, that means we got some people that Jesus is ready to take possession. I want to encourage you today on your way out in the lobby. Our team is going to have some, uh, some Christmas invite cards. I want you to grab five of those and introduce everyone. Say five. Hold your hand up say five. Five. Okay. I want you to grab five of those and hand them to some people that you want to. I've invited my whole barbershop. I've invited a whole restaurant. Didn't even know the people in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? We're looking for people that are ready to be brought into the adoption of Christ so that they can belong to the king of kings and that they would know him. I'm going to tell you today, grab some invites and invite some people. But if you are here and you don't know him, today I don't want you to know him. I told you my story about my buddy Chris and I'll wrap up. We went whitewater rafting. Of course, if there was one person on that raft that was going to fall out, who do you think it was going to be? Chris. Not me. That was offensive. <laughs> you. Okay. So Chris falls out the raft. But he, then he started, the raft was kind of stuck in this divot. So Chris falls out the raft. The current is taking him, and he's swimming as hard as he can to get back to the raft. And the guy is yelling at him, stop swimming. Listen, everyone. I've heard people tell Chris to stop doing a lot of things. He ain't never listened before. But this time it clicked. Guy said, stop swimming. And he stopped swimming. And it just took him away. The current did. I'm like, that was my man, Chris. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not even Catholic, but here we go. You know, like, love you, dog. You know? And the raft... We finally got out and it took us around this bend. And there was Chris where the waters were calm. There was a peaceful place where the current took him. And as we went past, he just hopped back in the raft. You see, some of you are fighting Jesus for control over your life. Not realizing that he's already the king. You see, hear me. We're not fighting for control. We're just resisting surrender of it. And so when the king comes in, he's saying, listen, stop fighting the current of my power. Stop resisting the kingship of me in your life. If you'll rest in the current of my power, I'll take you to the place where you can belong. And today I want to invite you to make Jesus King. Because hear me, He's already that. You just get to choose whether or not you serve the King with peace, joy, and hope, as opposed to resistance, stress, and constant chaos. He's got you, He's ready to carry you because He's ready to reign, He's ready to be praised. And he's ready to take possession. That's my king. He knows better for you than you know for yourself. So live like royalty in the adoption of the king. Otherwise, you'll constantly feel like you're fighting the current of the king who's already got you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the king's got me. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you continue to do. So, Jesus, I pray that each one of us would find it in our hearts and our minds to surrender to you as king in a greater way, a greater measure. God, I pray that the areas of our life we've allowed to become Lord and rule, Father, I pray that we would surrender those things over to you. Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name that our surrender to you, to make you king, would carry us in ways we could not imagine. We thank you today, and we love you in Jesus' name. With everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed today, if if today you're ready. Today you're, you're saying, I'm ready to make Jesus king of my life. I'm ready for him to take control. And today I want to encourage you to take that step and surrender. Say, all right, God. From now on, everything in my life revolves around you. But if you're here today or you're watching online, you're listening to this message. And you honestly have not surrendered to Jesus all of your life. Today, he's ready to be king. The Bible says that we can come to him, confess our sins. We can turn our life over to him. And because he died for us and paid for our sins, he gives us access back to God. That we could know him and he could be king. So today, if you're ready for Jesus to give you a fresh start. Today, if you're ready for Jesus to be king over your life. Today, if you're ready to say, you know what, my life belongs to you. Then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And this prayer doesn't make you say, this prayer is acknowledging with words what you're believing in your heart. And that's that Jesus is now king. And today, if you're ready to surrender, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And the whole church is going to pray it with you, so you're not praying by yourself, all right? So church, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sins. I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I believe that you want to be king. So I make you king over my life. I surrender to you. Forgive me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. May we celebrate you.